Hey, just want to take a quick break from this episode so I could tell you guys about how I just launched my new Patreon page. If you don't know about Patreon, it's a great way for people to support creators with a monthly subscription. Becoming a Patreon supporter can even come with a few perks, like early access to new episodes and getting special shout outs on the podcast. I've recently started working part time at my job so I can focus more time and energy on the podcast and YouTube channel. So any support would be massively appreciated and it helps me towards my hope of making this my full time job someday. So if you want to help support me in that, please head over to patreon.com slash hoop theory. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash hoop theory. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome to the Fred Hoiberg episode of the Hoop Theory Podcast, aka episode 52. My name is Logan Wortman, and as usual, I'm joined by my gentle co-host, Jacob Roth. Jacob, how does it feel to be on the Fred Hoiberg episode? Hoiball, baby. That brought a smile to my face. Mm-hmm. 52? That yeah. be... Draft pick, not oh, jersey number. because I don't even know what his jersey number was. 32. He, he wore one season with the Wolves. He wore 20 with, for three years with the Bulls and then another three years with the Pacers. Hmm. So, yeah, pretty. he had a pretty lengthy NBA career for, you know, Hustler. a journey. Yeah. Man. Mm-hmm. So big ups to he's our third draft pick selection as a episode number instead of the person wearing the jerseys. Because I, I think Jamal Wilkes would have been the person oh. for which I mean, is probably in the history of NBA like. More significant than Fred Horberg. Fred Horberg, but not to us. Yeah. Um, Head coach of Nebraska basketball, for those who don't know. But yeah, so speaking of college and Nebraska, um, I did want to quick give a shout out to most of our listeners, I I believe at least, are fans of the Buffaloes, um, Colorado Buffaloes. Mainly just because... Uh, on Twitter, that's that's most of my following on Twitter. I see a lot of buff stuff uh, from the Nuggets fans that are on my Twitter. So I uh, wanted to give a quick shout out to them. They played Nebraska yesterday, kind of squashed us, surprised by the the storming onto the field. That seemed a bit out of pocket. Yeah. Good for them. They feel mm-hmm. good. Um, and they're a lot better football team than I thought. Going in uh, to this season, at least, I was like, okay, this will work. I mean – Travis Hunter was like the number one recruit in his class two years ago, I believe. Uh, I The biggest thing that was shocking to me, though, was the fact that Deion Sanders' son, Shadur Sanders, is legitimately an NFL quarterback. I did not think that that was true. Oh, I did yeah. not think that was the case. Um, I'm not was saying he a like, high recruit? A, was he like a five-star? I want to say he was a three or a four. Oh, okay. Uh, like he was not like a slough of a recruit by any means at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Arch Manning was the number one overall, wasn't he? Archie Manning was, yeah, yeah. Archie, uh, so it's Archie, right? You say okay. Archie. My, I had an argument with my brother and my dad yesterday about how I thought the grandpa's name was Arch and the young one's name was Archie. I think they're they were, both Archie. Oh, I thought I thought the old one went by Arch, the young one went by Archie. They were saying it was the other way around that Archie's the old, the old one. one. Well, I don't know what he goes by because I've never met. Oh, it is just Arch Manning. I guess. So the older one's Archie. 
So oh, I just okay. must be wrong. Mm-hmm. I just always thought it was. I probably just did Archie, like because Archie like Manning was already a person, uh, yeah. and the grandpa, the dad of Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, and Cooper Manning. And Cooper, Cooper Manning is, is, the, is father. the okay. I believe it's Cooper. I didn't. I should. He was that. a wide receiver, wasn't he? Uh, if he wasn't a quarterback like the other two. Yeah, he was definitely the most athletic of the three until he had something happen with his neck. I think. Yeah, he had an injury when he was in college. I think. Um, obviously the genes transfer just fine as his son is a pretty good football player. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I will give the Buffaloes their flowers are a lot better team than I thought they were. Uh, I was, I thought the Nebraska defense did a pretty good job. Um, the offense is definitely what hurt us in that game, uh, because they couldn't keep a drive going and the defense got tired. And then the Colorado offense made some adjustments coming out of the locker room and did a whole lot of things. Very good. Uh, Bummed me out, uh, but overall, yeah, they're a lot better team than I thought they were. Yeah, do you think it's mainly due to Coach Prime him showing up, or is it there other factors? You think? Well, involved? considering he was able to bring in like eighty players and only nine stayed, yeah, it's probably him. Like recruiting mainly, not necessarily like schemes and stuff. Well, and I think this is going to be an interesting thing to look at moving forward. Uh, you could argue this for basketball programs, either if like LeBron goes, I'm going to go be a high school or a college basketball coach. Would he be able to just like guys will be like, oh, I'm going to go play a year with LeBron or two years with LeBron. For sure. I think that would definitely happen. Build a program out of nothing. Because yeah. respectfully to Colorado, they were like maybe one of the few power fives more down bad than Nebraska was last year. That's kind of like we've already seen an example of that with Penny Hardaway at Memphis. Like Memphis was not – like ever since Calipari left, not really a basketball program. Yeah. But Penny Hardaway went there and a lot of people are like, oh, Penny Hardaway, I'm going to go play for him. And that's just Penny Hardaway. You know, it's not yeah. like well, no, LeBron and I think James. That's what, well, no, and that's what I think is also crazy is with Dion, there's 22 legit football players on that team. Their offensive mm-hmm. line is a little bit worrisome and defensive line, both of those areas, but they played really good against Nebraska. Um, I'm excited to see how when Matt Rule gets another year, well, and arguably both guys get another year to see um, what next year's matchup in Lincoln looks like. I think it'll be a whole lot of fun. Um, still think it is lame that Colorado fans were excited they finally got a crowd to be 50 50 black and gold to red uh that's stupid and lame that you have to be excited about 50 50 but um no they won fair like it was a it wasn't a good game but colorado executed really well made good adjustments in the second half and i have always been skeptical of jeff sims as our the quarterback in nebraska was at georgia tech had a phenomenal offensive line at georgia tech and so that allowed him to like get away with some more things, but he still only had like a 54% completion percentage of memory serves. Um, and at Nebraska mm-hmm. currently has a, uh, for every touchdown he scores, he has three turnovers. Wow. So that's it's not, not great. a, not a good rate, but no, yeah. um, I'll be interested to see what Colorado does. Cause they have a meat grinder of a schedule. If Dion makes a bowl game, that's a, that's a big statement. Like legitimately oh, yeah. because of, just the meat grinder that's the Pac-12 with good quarterbacks. Um, and Sanders is right in there. They're still in the Pac-12? Yeah, next year they're in the Big 12. Oh, okay. When uh, did they move the- to the Pac-12? Because weren't they in the Big 12 Same year as Nebraska moved to the Big 10. Oh, okay. Either the same I, year or the year after. That's something I feel like I missed. I thought I thought Colorado was in the Big 12 like this whole time until nope. very recently. But uh, No, I, it was very shortly after Nebraska left the Big I want to say it was the same year, but don't quote me on that because I, yeah, wasn't like that was the year that a lot of I feel like a lot of teams left because of Texas. People were mad about 
Texas for being the like stars of the show, basically. At, well, no, and I'm just the thing that is interesting to me, and I could talk about conference realignment because it pertains to basketball a little bit. But that could yeah. be an episode where we don't have exciting things to talk about, which is the upcoming NBA season. Mm-hmm. But um, people are like blaming like the Big Ten and the SEC for poaching and destroying conferences. I would argue that the first stone that fell that really started making big like big programs even think about moving was when the Big 12 said, you know what we should do? Let's take our rights from the NCAA to have one media network. And instead of it being the Big 10 network or the SEC network, let's make it the Longhorn network. Mm-hmm. When did they do that? Was that when we were still there? Or was 2007? Oh, so it's yeah. what started the dominoes i personally believe mm-hmm. yeah makes sense I, I i just remember when i was oh, a little 2011 kid. is when it launched so oh, it might so have right been announced earlier so no but like it must have been that just like because i've always been told and heard that like the long network was like one of the biggest reasons and mm-hmm. for every sport but football for nebraska it was a better move baseball yeah. i would also argue it wasn't but basketball um there's times where you get like Kansas is always around, but like KC at Oklahoma, they kind of are always like middling higher. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But they're like, sometimes they spike up, but a lot of the time they're just like a, a low top 25 type of team. Yeah. For a solid decade and a half, it was Kansas and everybody else. And that was the Big 12 <laughs> basketball. Um, but then on the women's side of basketball, I think the Big 10 gives you a lot of like good competition. So volleyball is the paramount. Uh, Honestly, the the new Big Ten volleyball is going to be terrifying because Mm. if you go back, well, Stanford didn't come with the rest, but Washington, Oregon, UCLA, USC, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, yeah, um, Minnesota has years where they get good, not not in that. Not really. It's like they're it's they're they're that lower top twenty five. They're not this like insane upper echelon thing. Um, but anyway, that was a wild rabbit hole on an episode that we've got a lot of fun stuff. And Logan, it was your idea. So Colorado, I'll never do this again. Uh, <laughs> uh, just as much as they don't like Nebraska, I don't like Colorado Buffaloes uh-huh. at all. Yeah. Um, the only collegiate fan base that I hold in lower regard is J-Skirts, which are people that like Creighton oh. men's basketball. I totally else. thought you were going to say something else. I thought you were going to say Iowa. Oh, no. Iowa, Iowa people are delusional, but it's like whatever. It's not like it's not like it's like a big giant gap, but it's wow. No. I'm very surprised. I've just heard you badmouth Iowa like our entire lives. And, and Colorado yeah, is Iowa like, sucks and they have bad corn. But do you yeah. know who really has bad corn? Brazil. American Corn <laughs> Unite. <laughs> what? <laughs> you throwing, throwing strays at Brazil now? Sorry if someone's from Brazil, but Safrina Corn – not near as good, and I'm also a little bit upset that Brazil passed the U.S. in the number one exporter of corn this year. Oh. They did in soybeans a couple years ago, but uh, they did it in corn this year. Mm, nice. Wow, no one cares, and I yeah. just yeah. didn't know well, those were you even stats. Because the socioeconomic things, it's a big deal. But anyway, uh, Brazil, bad corn. I don't okay. actually know that. I've never had Safrina corn. Yeah, it's just the way you feel. Just how my heart of heart feels. So good job, Colorado. I'm excited to see what it looks like in Lincoln next year when Matt Rule's able to shuffle a little things around, see some things he doesn't like, see some things he did. Uh, but Nebraska had eight sacks. And if you can't oh, even wow. respect that, Colorado, that is disingenuous. That sounds like a lot. 
it is a pretty good amount. Like, what's the average? Like, ama- what's an average amount in a game? Two to three, probably. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, because isn't it like if a sack happens, like that? Big McDonald's and Lincoln, they do like this big sack, Big Mac sack, or whatever. Well, uh, yeah, Colorado people, since like you don't really have like an actual commitment until recently to your college. McDonald's across the state of Nebraska, if the Huskers get a sack. The following – maybe it's the Monday now. It used to be the Sunday, but it might be the Monday now mm-hmm. um, because too many people would go get Big Macs after church, I think. So they <laughs> do it on Monday. Uh, it's called a Big Mac sack, and you buy one, get one free. I think so, something like that. Uh, if the Huskers get a sack. And it doesn't mm-hmm. like – just one. It's not like if they get eight. But we had a lot of years where we didn't get the Big Mac sack uh, every game. So it was nice to see eight. And a true freshman – I need to not talk about Nebraska football um, because we've got a great episode today. I'm yeah. sorry, I keep like saying this and then rambling. Logan, what was the initial goal for today before that 12 minute uh, depression opener? Good job, Colorado. What do we got, Logan? So uh, we're going to be going through the Atlantic Division uh, leading up to this NBA season. I wanted to go through division by division and give our over under picks on their over under money line from FanDuel um, for this upcoming season, regular season wins. And basically just give a breakdown or a preview of each team's season going forward. And also took a look back at what how I did this last year, what my predictions were for each team and what they actually ended up doing. So that is what we're going to be doing here today with the Atlantic Division. Uh, we're going to be going through the division's alphabetical order. So Atlantic, then Central, then Northwest, then Pacific, then Southeast and Southwest. And, and we so did they, talk about doing it in like the order of like, cause this is kind of like a, we're getting rid of a lot of like the fun big guns to talk about today. Yeah. Um, we talked about starting with like the bottom feeder, but then we realized that the bottom feeder division has a potential uh, giant change before the season starts. That being Damian Lillard going to the Southeast division, because outside of Miami, there is not a lot of hope down there. Yeah. And I guess we should have thought about that with Atlantic too, because they have a similar situation with the Sixers and Harden. But, I've got my notes for this one. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> we can do it. We can pivot. No, no, it, that's fine. I, I think that it's good because uh, the way we're going to be doing this is each division, we're going to be able to do one lock and one stay away. Um, oh. And so each time we use a stay away, that means that uh, it's not going to, it's basically like eliminating a, a question from a test, you know, that type of thing. Uh, a lock will make that pick worth three points instead of just one because you know we're gonna we're gonna tally this at the end of the season see who wins between jacob and i um we did this a couple years ago with our friend anthony i believe you might have terribly did you get last no i did terribly because the oh no so we did it two years first year i did good and i think i got because i locked atlanta I over. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I was on the Atlanta Dark Horse 2021 when they made the run. Oh, that was when we did the tier. Yeah, we didn't do the over under game that year, but we We did did the tier tier list, list. and you put them in the Dark Horse contender tier. When I was like, I I was so surprised by that. But yeah, and that's what ended up happening. They went to to the Eastern Conference Finals. So, and then yeah, and then the next year I did. I me everybody was close. I think you were like a pretty comfortable ahead, but me I and think, Anthony were close. I think it was the other way around. I think me and Anthony were kind of close, and you you were like way, I think way you, lower. You just yeah, I think you had a lot of bets just not work out. Like locks just go poorly. Probably. Yeah, that sounds Something right like now that, that you're saying it. But 
That that's just how. Go back in the archives. One of the previous fifty-one episodes has it. Yeah, yeah. So, but we'll look at uh, that at the end of the year to see who wins between Jacob and I. Maybe I'll send something to Anthony to have his ghost picks in here as well. Um, but sadly, he does not have a microphone that works at the moment. I've thought about bringing him on to do an episode with the Sixers. I just keep forgetting to give him one of my spare mics. For those who remember the last episode he was on, it was did not go well. Mike barely, issues. yeah, hear him at all. But that was the episode right before the Isaiah Roby one, um, which so that's just, fourteen. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Roby was the fifteenth episode, wasn't he? Well, Roby was the fourteenth, so oh, it would have been thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna have fifteen minutes for each team, so we don't ramble too long about most likely the Celtics because I have a problem. And then, yeah, also keep it keep your eyes peeled. Have you ever been listening to the podcast and go, what did Jacob just say? <laughs> we have some good news for you. There may or may not be a compilation of me confusing Logan coming up in the future. Just keep your eyes peeled to the feed and YouTube as well. <laughs> yeah, thank you for, for that preview or that uh, teaser trailer that, that Jacob just gave. And speaking of uh, teasers, Logan works all day doing this stuff. So go to patreon.com forward slash hoop theory or go buy him a coffee. All the links in the description. Thank you very and much. Favorite the podcast, five stars, because it helps us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and for with sure. That, do I start the 15 minute timer for our first team in the Atlantic? I think we can do that. We'll be starting with the Boston Celtics here, going alphabetically. It is started. All right. Sounds good. So. Boston Celtics, their record last year, well, what my prediction for them was last year was 51 and 31. Um, I did like a ceiling and floor range for each team too because I'm a maniac, but I did 58 for their ceiling and 40 for their floor. And as I went through each of those episodes, I kind of explained why I, I picked ceiling and floor, like what that would that case scenario would look like. But they almost hit their ceiling with 57 wins, 57 and 25. So. Yeah, I was a little bit off with them. That was probably one of the more off ones I had. There were a couple, spoiler alert, that did not even fit in my ceiling to floor range. Uh, there were a couple that slipped outside of that. So, But for this upcoming season, their over-under is 54 and a half. And I guess we'll start with Jacob on this one. What do you What do you think for this upcoming season? What do you see them doing in terms of their line? And uh, what's your pick? I'm going to take over, but not lock, just over. So okay. I like me and Logan didn't really converse as much uh, as I, I probably should ask Logan what his because it was his idea. But I had like a just kind of a template so I didn't get too rambly. Uh, mm-hmm. So this should help. But I wrote for the record and result prediction. It wins in the 55 to 60 range, somewhere in that range of five wins, which is above the 54. So I'm going to take over on this one. Um, and I think there'll be a one to three seed in the East, very similar to last year. Um, Cause I think that will be a, I just, I just feel good about it. Uh, some things that like looking at the team more specifically, what was the biggest thing they did in the off season? If you haven't heard me cry yet, um, Marcus Smart got traded to Memphis in a three team deal. Um, and Kristaps Porzingis is now a Boston Celtic. Um, the strengths for the team. I like kind of had two lanes and I went with, cause I think even with Marcus Smart still gone, it's the, teams like switchability mm-hmm. is the biggest thing and then the biggest question mark is we don't really have a point guard um 
like at all. Like Derek White is probably the pseudo point guard we have right now, but we'll, you'll also see Malcolm Brogdon and Peyton Pritchard get some moments at that point guard spot, but none of them are like this facilitating point guard guy. We don't have that, but we have all the pieces you want around a facilitating point guard. We just don't have the facilitating point guard. So, mm -hmm. um, and then also bringing you watchability scores this week is V8 Energy Plus, Pomegranate, and Blueberry, which is not only fueling my watchability scores, but Logan's Energy. Yeah. <laughs> that could be you, company listening. Do you have a small business or something and you want to – Get in on here. Email Logan, hooptheory at gmail.com. I'll stop being so uh, commercially now. Anyway, my watchability for the Boston Celtics is 10 out of 10. For 10 me. out of 10. All for right. me. Yeah, Jacob, this is Jacob's watchability rankings. A true, rankings. Oh, I could do both. I feel like a genuine true watchability score for the Boston Celtics, probably like early seasons, like an 8, 9, 8.9, mm -hmm. like what, how's this KP thing going to work? What's this all? And then as the season drags on, it'll be like, okay, they're just a good team that plays yeah. good defense. Probably drops to like a 7-5 for just the average everyday person. Yeah, I'd um, say that's pretty fair. And then also another hot take, the reason I feel strong about this regular season record thing is I think the Marcus Smart adjustment will be good for the uh, – sorry – Getting KP instead of Marcus Smart will be good for the regular season, bad for the postseason. I I could definitely see that working out that way with so like KP team, missing a lot of games in the postseason the last few years. Yeah, so I feel like that they could be like really see like oh wow this looks like we're a lot better team in the regular season and maybe even like dabble above sixty, but. If KP gets hurt at the wrong time, it'll just hurt in the playoffs. And KP's not the only injury problem. That was our, almost another weakness. But I feel like the not having a facilitator point guard with the team built to have a facilitator point guard, um, problematic. But uh, as the yeah. more intelligent basketball mind between the two of us, Logan, what do you think about the Boston Celtics? And going into the season, what are some things that you are pondering here as we just are about to hit 10 minutes left to talk about the Celtics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking some of the additions they've made. Obviously the Chris Epps Porzingis pick or Chris Epps Porzingis trade was something that I was in favor of. Um, I do understand there's a possible downside to it. Um, as you were saying with, with reaching the playoffs and just not having that Marcus smart factor that this, you know, has made up every Celtics team of the past decade. So that's a, definitely a, a potential downside, but I think Chris Stapps does give you a bit more dynamic offense, different places the ball can be moved, some more floor spacing, even more, which is saying a lot from you know having like Al Horford out there. Chris Stapps probably gives you even a little bit more um, in terms of just the amount of spacing because of how deep his range goes. And I'm, I'm also curious to see if we see Malcolm Brogdon in the starting lineup this upcoming season or if he stays in what it seemed like his kind of like guaranteed role was last year, which was kind of the opposite of most guaranteed roles you see, um, which was that he has to come off the bench to basically conserve his, his health and, and body at his um, not really like old age, but just fragileness. Fragileness. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if he's kind of like stays as like the bench point guard or if he's in the starting lineup, if he's not in the starting lineup, then I think Derek white will have to be taking care of a lot of those handling and Marcus smart type role duties, which he's definitely capable of. We haven't seen him as much 
on ball as he was in San Antonio so far in Boston. But the fact that he has done more of that than Boston's asked him to so far is definitely a good sign. I think that you have some people that can form together to play it by committee. Uh, Peyton Pritchard, again, with another guy coming in off the bench to play some more minutes than he did last year. Uh, and then the guys you added, obviously we mentioned Chris Stops. Then there's O'Shea Brissett, uh, who is one of my guys from Syracuse. He's going to be like a big defensive rebounding wing, small ball center even, if you need that. And then uh, Svima Kailuk is a, a recent, very recent pickup. Mm-hmm. And that all honestly gives you in some bench minutes and all, like, honestly, probably if you're undermanned at some point during the season, you'll probably see him break into the rotation and handling the ball a bit. Same type of thing with Delano Banton and Banton will give you much more than Mikhail Luke or even a lot of guys on your roster. Like Banton might be one of the best defensive players on your roster to be honest. And that's saying a lot. Um, so, and yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if he is able to get some time on the floor uh, to make that Celtics defense even more scary than it has been. And I mean, without Marcus Smart, obviously you're, you're probably going dropping down a little bit in terms of like your perimeter intimidation factor, but Chris Stapps gives you a lot more than you had previously just around the rim. Um, and all, you keep, Robert Williams in the fold as well. So you, you haven't lost him either. Um, and then Sam Hauser is still coming off the bench. Uh, Jordan Walsh was a pick in this year's draft. I think you had a couple two way guys that I, yeah. I mean, JD Davison, who's you've had as a two way guy for a while now. And, and then Jay scrub won't be around very much. Mm-hmm. Probably not. And he was not disappointing in the summer league, but it was not like summer leagues, just summer league. But yeah, it, the, the um the man of the summer league was not JD Will uh my brain shut off JD Davidson it was Jordan Walsh wasn't it yes yeah he is um Boston Celtics fans love him he's like our replacement Grant Williams in every way outside of on the court he just like because mm-hmm. he's like this kind of quirky guy that likes like anime stuff and talks kind <laughs> of unique he's literally just Grant Williams seems like he just loves life so we uh. Boston fans have been very like emotionally like Walsh is a guy. Yeah. He'll, he'll probably see some time rotationally, but not like the same amount as Williams did. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe similar to what Williams did on the way out because there was some sort of weird anger. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I looks like the, your roster isn't completely filled up yet either because you, uh, this new CBA, you know, for this upcoming season, they're adding another two-way spot. So each team is allowed three two-way players instead of just two. You guys still just have two listed here on Spot Track, at least. So you might be adding another one. Probably won't be much of a needle mover, but uh, just to throw that out there. Um, but my pick for the Boston Celtics this year, this is kind of a hard one for me. 74 and a half was or 54 and a half was line. Sorry. Yeah. 54 and, 74 a, half. and a half would be crazy. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, 54 and a half is, it's kind of a tough one just because that is pretty high. Like it's hard to just like feel great about an over for anybody with a line like that. But, um, so I think I might be, which feels crazy to say because there's two other teams I could really feel confident about using my stay away on. But I think I might use my stay away on the Boston Celtics. That's wild. Yeah. I feel like there's one for sure. Well, I, I guess know. I don't know what their line is. I don't know what yeah. that team's line is because the there's only 
a fun fact, there's only one time for the biggest move of the offseason I put something that wasn't a player. Um, but anyway, <laughs> we can talk about that when we get to them in a couple teams. But it'll be interesting. So this is your stay away. Yes, this is my stay okay. away. Boston Celtics. I could very easily see them get 55, 56, or even exceed what they did last year at 57. But I could also definitely see them have like a – it's not a failure of a season, but they just win 53 games or 54 games, you know? Mm-hmm and be like the one or two seed in the East with that record. But uh, yeah, so that's why I'll use my stay away on Boston. And that does it for the Boston Celtics. Um, moving on now alphabetically to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, we're going alphabetical by location, not mascot. But so the Brooklyn Nets, their record last year was 45 and 37. And my reasonable prediction for them last year was 48 wins. So they reached a similar range to that. Uh, my ceiling and floor was uh, my ceiling was fifty nine because that was the case case of if they didn't trade Kyrie or KD and they and actually everything clicked great yeah. exactly. And Ben Simmons, you know, played well and, and things like that. But my floor that I had them at was thirty three wins, which I believe this was the highest ceiling to floor range I had of because all my was- predictions. I just because there's like it was justified. There were so many question marks because like they could have done that Kyrie Katie thing, blow it up way earlier. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't uh, yeah. have to like wait until the trade deadline. It could have been in November, honestly. Yeah, like who knew exactly. when it, who knew when it was coming? And the 33 wins might have been pretty realistic if it would have been in that November range. Yeah, exactly. And also, if they're the team they got after those trades wasn't. So as overachieving as they ended up being because that group, once they got together, was actually like scraping out some wins that you wouldn't have expected because of the emergence of Macau Bridges as like a possible number one option on a team. Maybe when he gets the volume, he did not shy away from it. Yeah, exactly. So my pick for them this year, or I, should, I guess I haven't said their line yet. Their line for this year is 37 and a half wins, which is a pretty good placement for that. Um, looking at their roster, they have basically this a lot of the same guys that they ended the season with last year. Uh, guys they added, though, I think is Trendon Watford. I don't think he was on the – I think he was still with Portland until the end of last year. I'm seeing this just now. Darius Baisley is on the team. I thought he was with the Phoenix Suns, to be honest. Uh, Lonnie Walker the fourth is on the Nets. They lost um, Montanabi to the Suns, didn't they? Yep. Utah Watanabe, he's yeah he went to the Suns in free agency. Looks like uh, yeah ba- Baisley was also a free agent signing. Uh, same with Lonnie Walker. Same with Dennis Smith Jr. They still have Cameron Thomas, Daron Sharp. Uh, looks like Drake Whitehead. It was their pick from the draft this year. Noah Cl- Clowney also was another pick from this year's draft. Royce O'Neal is somebody they got in the trade deadline last year. Or was that even at the deadline? That might have been before. I think that was back when all those jazz trades were happening initially. Um, yeah, I think that was because Royce O'Neal was with the the Nets that were potentially still contenders or th- if everything worked out. Um, Nick Claxton's still there. Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson. And I don't know if it matters, but Ben Simmons is on this basketball team. Oh, um, he's he seems pretty aggressive that he's got it figured out and people should watch out this year. Yeah, I I'd like to get a count on how many years in a row that's been now. I feel um, like I've <laughs> never seen him be this aggressive. 
Really? Of no, posting just, videos on his own Instagram and stuff? No, it's more the quotes. It's the words that he's saying. Uh, Not okay. that he's like, oh, I've been working. I've been in that. I've been off season working on the working on my jump my shots. Shot. Yeah. Not, I've been putting in the work. I feel like he's a lot more like, I'm sick of the disrespect. Mm. I feel like he's I, never been leaning into the disrespect as much as he is this year. Don't think he's going to be good. I don't think he's going to figure it out, but <laughs> just a different vibe this off season than off season promises previous. Mm-hmm. That was okay. quite the sentence there. That, that really was. It was pretty eloquent. Um, <laughs> Gentle, but, one might say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then we got Harry Giles for what it's worth is apparently on an exhibit nine contract. So a nine day instead of a 10 day for their training camp roster. Um, for those who remember Harry Giles back a few years ago from the past. Duke so legend. yeah. Yeah. So I I'm thinking this team, I'm going to, I feel better about the under than the over for this team with Brooklyn. Um, so I'm going to go a slight under for this team, maybe even more than a slight under. I, I'm not sure. Maybe they'll embrace the tank a little bit, you know, a rebuilding roster. Mikhail Bridges, it's hard It's hard to say because, you know, their best player is uh, an Iron Man, somebody who never misses games. So we'll see if that continues and if that gets them, you know, a lot more wins than expected. Who knows? Uh, they got Thing 1 and Thing 2, which is my favorite, like, dynamic duo nickname in the NBA probably. It's Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson because they, they are jersey number one and jersey number two. So it's Thing 1, Thing 2. So I love that. But... Yeah, I'm going to give them the under, though, for this season. Jacob, what about you? Well, okay, so I think the thing that's rough about this one is if everything goes right for this team, I think they could win. Like, let's say McCall Bridges does his thing. Ben Simmons is, I'm sick of the disrespect, really works, and he looks like 75% of the best version of Ben Simmons we've seen. Let's just give him that instead of, like, 20% if he sees the court now. Mm -hmm. This team could like sneak to 40 somehow if like all of those things go right. But if none of those things happen, this team is like good lottery, like good lottery odds, not a good lottery team, good lottery odds. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think I feel safer the same way you do about the under. But if the over happens, I'll be like, okay, I'll take my L. Mm-hmm. thought about my stay away but i just don't i there's one team i just feel like i have to use it because i don't there could be just such an explosion in the middle of the year saying screw it we're starting over uh but yeah 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 i agree so um, i have the i'm just tracking i have the under and you also have the under on this one yes exactly both got the unders i will make note of that as well and so, yeah, I think that does it for the Brooklyn Nets. And moving on to the inner city rival, which is kind of generous to call to give that to the Nets. Uh, but which actually I take that back because the Knicks never really been good either. But in terms of the fan base there, it's not much. Close. M- yeah, not close at all. It might uh, be even worse than L.A. L.A. I agree. I definitely and LA, agree L.A. L.A. is pretty bad. Like mm-hmm. there's like interviews with Paul George being like, yeah, it ain't the same. Everybody that works at crypto or whatever it's called now Mm -hmm. likes the Lakers. And we're just kind of an afterthought. Like we have to like, they share facilities. So we just like walk past their locker room and you can't touch any of the Lakers stuff. And Mm -hmm. 
I've definitely heard more, way more Clippers fans. I've heard of more Clippers fans than I have of Nets fans. It's Nets fans are Kyrie or KD people. The the (laughs) genuine Nets fans in the wild. I've never seen them. Yeah, I've seen memes. Kyrie guy. Oh, I'm a KD guy. I've seen memes from like New Yorkers about how Knicks games are like insane like deranged people like you know that are just <laughs> are there like who love basketball and then in like the attendance at nets games is just like families having like a night out like <laughs> they're not like big basketball people it's more just like a little entertainment thing um which i think is a pretty accurate assessment but yeah so this new york knicks team though they uh won 47 ga- so this is one this is the only one so far that i and know for sure because I haven't looked through all of them, um, that I was wrong on my ceiling. They exceeded my ceiling for them. You thought they were going to be that bad last year? I thought – I'm honestly kind of surprised at this looking back, that that's what I had them picked at. Maybe but we didn't think Brunson was going to be that much of a him. I think that's what it was. That I, Brunson, I thought I was probably going to be like a, a sub-all-star, which technically he did end up being, but he was he was like a legitimate all-star level player. He didn't make the all-star team, but he probably no, should if have. If there wasn't like the guards that were in front of them, there's a lot of other seasons where he's an all-star guard because he yeah. just was – We, I mean, we had a conversation about it. this was in the playoffs, but like he's knocking on the door of top five, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's not like you're a delusional person for bringing it up. Yeah, agreed. Um, so – yeah, they, their ceiling that I had them at was 45 wins. They ended up winning 47. Their reasonable prediction I had them at was 36, and their floor was 30. So I had their reasonable prediction not that much above what their floor was for some reason. I'm not sure why looking back. But, um, yeah, so they, they ended up winning 47 games. Uh, Jalen Brunson was just an engine for them all season long. RJ Barrett didn't even have a very good season, but – they were still able to be a really good team. Julius Randle was okay. It was really just Jalen Brunson and their defense was like the story of the next season last year. Um, and then they also got a lot of like, not juice, but the guys they went and got like Josh Hart coming there was a big, like for sure th- they had night. I don't know if they started. I feel like they had a run after they got Josh Hart. I feel for like sure. they went yeah. on like a, Oh yeah. Cause and they had the big push at the end of the year. Yeah, and he magically was able to shoot threes again, which he hadn't been able to in like a year and a half <laughs> as soon as he got there. So, um, and he's he's already like a Knicks, like a fan favorite there in New York, um, which is fun to see. So, and he's donning a very fan favorite jersey number there from uh, number, jersey number three from John Starks back with the 90s Knicks teams. Um, and so, but yeah, their over underline this year is 44 and a half. And I'm actually feeling pretty good about the over on this one. So um, I did. Oh, sorry. I I was just going to basically leave it at that. I'm just going over for them. They It feels like a pretty – like I'm not going to be surprised if they go under that. You know, if, if there was an over-under like that, a line like that, that's a line that I would call like an abomination because I'm like I would be very surprised if they went under. You know, what makes a good line is you could see both, you know, things both happening. Um, so I, but I do feel better about the over for this one. How about you? So what I have written down is a high 40 to low fifties for my win totals. When I did my kind of structured looking at this year, New York Knicks getting a 50 win season would be so good for just the sport, honestly. Well, and I think the way the road, the path to it happening is they have so many pieces that are just not consistent. 
Mm-hmm. So last year, the first consistency they've seen was Jalen Brunson. But like Julius Randle goes from duking it out with LeBron on Monday night <laughs> to getting benched by Tibbs against the Hawks on yeah. Thursday. Or getting like, stuffed on a game winner by Kyrie Irving. Like he just, <laughs> he, but they have like a lot of guys that I feel that exact way about. Obviously, not the same level of polarity as the ceiling of what Julius Randle randomly flashes mm-hmm. but like if they get those guys to show like 80 percent of their like best on like a with an average area that's a scary team mm-hmm. that's like a very scary team a bunch of hustle dudes nobody really seems to be that into themselves if rj barrett like kind of like looks like he did for canada in the yeah. mm-hmm. uh the third place Fever. canada which mm-hmm. we didn't even touch on we'll probably make an episode and touch on a lot of things before the season starts. But yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, like there's a lot of things that this team could just be like, yeah, we're, we're the same if better than we were last year. People shouldn't be surprised. Their biggest pickup in the off season was DiVincenzo, four years, 50 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like if they can, and this is weird that the question mark I have for a Tibbs team is consistency. That feels weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but offensively, I feel like that's what the Knicks don't have is like outside of Jalen Brunson, anything that you can like semi rely on. Yeah. As far as their guys that you really want in the fold, like want in the rotation, they don't have a lot of shooting. You know, in order to get that shooting, you have to put in guys that are more defensive liabilities like Evan Fournier um, and pieces like that. So. And even that, even Evan Fournier isn't like a super steady three point shooter. You know, he's pretty fluky as well. Um, so it, it's kind of tough from that angle as far as like being able to make it super far in the playoffs. Um, but for scraping out regular season wins and staying just hungry and like really solid on the defensive end, a Tom Thibodeau coach team is definitely one of the best, best uh, spots for that, that to happen. Yeah. So. Um, what did oh you my pick? Goodness. Did you pick over? Pause. Yep. Uh, yes, over. Uh, fl- Pause rewind. the recording. No, just rewinding. Okay. V8 plus energy pomegranate watchability score for the uh, Brooklyn oh, Nets. Yeah. Uh, my watchability for the Brooklyn Nets might not be a shock to many. I've got it rather low. I like not like crazy low. I've got a five six. Okay. For okay. my watchability personally, mine would be uh, higher, but. That's just because I I love the wings and the some of the pieces they have there. It's definitely understandable for having them low for sure. And then I feel like the average average person's watchability is probably also in the mid middle of the road. Yeah. No, because I have a team. I have there's there's low numbers. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's genuine like I because I probably five six is that technically 10, a positive? Like slightly above average. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, like I I use the whole scale. Like yeah. we will talk about a team and I'll be like, they have a one. Like, I don't want to really watch this team play basketball. Mm-hmm. I will, but I don't really want to. So yeah. I will use the full 10. So a five, six truly means slightly above the middle point of five. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then your Knicks one, the Knicks one. Yeah. I've got them at a six, four. Okay. That's fair as well. Um, But then similar, how do the Celtics have like the, it's eight nine early, seven five later. If this is like a consistent offensive team, you could bump the Knicks up to like a seven seven two probably. Mm-hmm. So seven two. Oh, we didn't even mention Isaiah Roby. Our one, oh yeah, know, that's a big thing too. 
Uh, he's on the team. He might be. He, hopefully, we'll we'll see him crack into the rotation at points. He seems like a Tibbs type of guy. Yeah, for sure. Like and with what he I did in Oklahoma, and th- this will help him a lot with like probably his main weakness so far in the NBA has been defensive consistency, and so being on a Tom Thibodeau coach team hopefully will help strengthen that aspect of his game. So that would be pretty good for him. And they don't have like 50 power forwards like they did a few years ago. So, you know, this is a Tom Thibodeau team that does not have Taj Gibson any longer. So that's about 25 minutes per game is freed up for somebody else. (laughs) Or multiple Uh, people. However you want to split it up. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, uh, so you, your pick was over, though, I'm guessing, based off of how you... Yes, over. Okay. Because um, I have... Yeah, because I guess the rough, the very rough, vague thing I said was high 40s to low 50s. So that would be over. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I will stick with my over. And then kind of as we're to this halfway point, we've touched on some pretty good teams. Is this the best division in basketball? Ooh. That's a good question. It's got to be close because I feel like they have – granted, it's, it's only in the East, but Celtics, top five team. Nets, not, but like a, a bubble – not a bubble, a, a play-in contender type of team, right? There's only one team that has no like – You should, Wait, so you said Celtics top ten, right? They're like a top ten, top five yeah. type of team. Yeah, probably sure. closer to top five than top ten, yeah. Um, and somewhere in there though. But like – and Knicks are a bubble playoff team, probably like, for, like better than like probably a bubble for like missing the play in more so than, you know, being like, in the top six, that yes. bubble, not top eight. Yeah. And then uh, what would next will be Knicks. Oh, I, I was 10? just talk, I was talking about the Knicks there. Oh, OK. Yeah. Now I'm tracking. Uh-huh. Sixers uh-huh. are probably top this, 10. Yeah. Into the like Which, top ten. We'll get there in a second. That's, no, that's what I was saying. I was trying to go in order, but I just yeah. feel like this might be one of the better divisions in basketball for sure. Yeah, if not, definitely the could best. be. Um, I'd say Pacific is definitely probably. the next. Up There's there. a lot of things because that's mm-hmm. Warriors, Suns, Lakers. Warriors, Suns, Lakers, Clippers. Which Clippers could be good this year? Could not, I? Don't, I don't know. There are, We've said that every the year. But. Are like hand in hand with more extremes. Oh yeah, for sure. A lot of extremes for for the Clippers team. Definitely a great can't. Don't want to spoil my pick, Kings, which I, I haven't mapped out my picks for any of the other uh, divisions just yet. It's, but, it's definitely the Pacific. I forgot the Kings are the bad yeah, team. Like ev- yeah, every team there should is almost a contender. Like Kings is the is the team that's like probably not a contender, but is it impossible? Like is it? They're kind of like a, could be like a Hawks from a couple years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, never mind. I retract my statement. Best co- uh, division, not hard to do in the East, but it is not the best division in basketball. Retract yeah. my statement. I just totally forgot about the uh, Pacific as the mm-hmm. quote-unquote bottom feeders. Yep. The West is really unbalanced. Like, Northwest is, like, the Nuggets and kind of the Wolves and then everybody else. And then Southwest, South, Southwest is pretty dookie shoes also because it's, like, the Texas Memphis. teams – Memphis and New Orleans are, are both like they win games, but like they, you know, they're never very scary. Um, and then and, and then Dallas. Pacific. And then, oh, yeah. and then just this juggernaut of just 
uh, you guys she tells you not to worry about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, but moving on now to the Philadelphia 76ers, our good friend, Anthony Levson-Uke's favorite team. I'm, I'd be curious to see what his thoughts on this are. But so the their um, record from last year was 54 and 28, uh, which was slightly above my pick for them, which was just 52 wins. So it's uh, it been the closest so far. Um, out of the, of the teams we've looked at so far, my ceiling for them was 59 wins um, just because of the dy- dynamic duo of Joel Embiid and James Harden. Um, but then my floor for them was also pretty low for a team that, you know, won 54 games. And that was 37 wins um, because just of the massive variability of both of their best players, Not injury quite. status, you know, um, that was kind of what factored into that. But uh, so their over under for this upcoming season is 48 and a half wins. Oh, that's such a good line. Um, but I honestly am feeling pretty good about the over on this one, even if like Harden's not there. Like obviously something, if injuries happen, that's going to be a different story. But like Joel Embiid just had the best season of his career. And then he's also being slandered going into this season because of what happened in the playoffs, which understandably so, you know, he definitely deserves some criticism, but not as much and not as far as people have been taking it. You know, people are putting him outside the top 10. Well, that's crazy. Yeah, I know. But we just which we just did on, on last episode. I had him at four, I believe. And I had him at five. And you had him at five, I think something like that. And, the, and I think I also acknowledged that, like, he's probably not four because I don't like the Sixers. Like, my brain probably couldn't truly evaluate him without, like, being like, the, yeah, but he sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I honestly wouldn't say anybody's crazy for putting him higher than we did um, up at three. Higher so. than um, higher higher than three, I think, is a little bit. Is a little, yeah. It's a little bit to, weird. To that's try to put him thing. over, put him over Giannis Jokic or, or Giannis. Jokic. Yeah, that, that's a little, a little hard. weird. But everybody else, I could definitely it's get a down completely, with. That's a great episode to listen to if you're kind of, and want more in depth on the conversation we just had. Well, we did. It was last mm-hmm. week, episode 51. Mm-hmm. It's a, a simple scroll down the feed and click play. Exactly. Yeah. Unless you have it sorted the opposite way. Um, if you, <laughs> scroll up. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so Joel Embiid, I think he's capable of carrying a team to close to 50 wins um, as long as he has like a, a fine cast of characters around him like Tobias Harris, PJ, PJ Tucker, DeAnthony Melton, Paul Reed, Furkan Korkmaz even has been a guy that's been buried on Sixers bench the last couple of years. But the last time we saw him getting minutes was like a pretty capable role player. Tyrese Maxey, who's another guy that might take yet another pretty big jump into being like a legit like uh, second star for this team behind Joel Embiid if James Harden does not return to playing, which is pretty likely. Patrick Beverly is on this team, which I kind of forgot forgot about. Uh, Danny Green is on this team as well, which he's he's back. He's back in town with the Sixers. Not sure how much he'll be contributing because with the Cavs last year, he didn't look super like the Danny Green of old, but... Um, we'll see what happens there. And then they got Mo Bamba as injury insurance insurance for Joel Embiid. And obviously Montrezl Harrell, who has been there the last couple of years now, 
And then they got this other person who I don't even know. I just am noticing it now. Philip Petrusev, who looks pretty, he's only 23 years old from Serbia. He might be on the Serbian national team, honestly. Is that the Gonzaga kid? Um, it doesn't show his college on here. I think it's Gonzaga. If memory, it he's says a Zag. It says memory. college and then says nothing after it. Oh, thought it was so. Gonzaga. I recognize the name in association with Gonzaga. Yeah, but I'm definitely also- could be possible. Oh yeah, and I love one of the guys that they have on, which we haven't talked about this guy yet, uh, me and you. But he was in the draft this year. Uh, one of the guys they picked, e- either picked or might have been an undrafted free agent, but he's a two way deal for them right now. But his name is Rookie Council the Fourth. Do you know I was why? Undrafted free agent. I okay. Believe. Do you know why his name is Rookie Council the Fourth? I do not know why. You know, most people you would think that it's because his dad's name was Rookie Council the Third, and his grandfather's name was Rookie Council the Second. See the fourth oldest. So, I've heard of this before. Is that what his is? N- no, it's actually. All of his brothers, every single one of his brothers is named Ricky Council, and he is the fourth born of oh. his brothers. So he I've is, heard that, like, <laughs> which is just why I've never heard of that before. Yeah, because I've heard that sometime like when they like families like immigrate to the United States, they like misunderstand. And so their kid will be the first, second, third and fourth. Like if someone's like, I'm the third kid in my family, so I'd be. Jacob Roth the third, even though I'm not a third, they like misunderstand. Oh, and, like, so it is kind of like child. That. I mis I misunderstood what you said. But it's like a not because all of my siblings are named Jacob Roth the first, second, oh. third. It's because like nothing to do with the naming order. Just like oh, you're the fifth oldest. So you just fifth. get that. You're the part fifth. Of your name. Okay. But it's only like sometimes when things get in, in language barriers and confusion. Um, from what I understand, this happens yeah. sometimes. No, I believe he's from America, born and raised in America. He went to he went to Arkansas, um, his, but yeah, his all of his brothers is at least from what I've heard, every single one of his brothers is also named Ricky Council, but they all have a number after their name to indicate which one they are, <laughs> which I I am just so like intrigued by. I don't like I want to know what their mom calls each of them if like she literally just calls them the number that they are, like there's one, two, three, and four, you know. Or how she does it. Um, because I, I believed in order to have like the number after your name, they must all have the same middle name as well. Unless that is yeah. different. But Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Anyways, that is a total, you know, side conversation. But um, not related to this one. Also, something that I'm, I'm also noticing that isn't super important. But they have a lot more players, the Sixers do on their cap holds than most teams, meaning that they are still paying these players. Like they're basically either when they were waived after their money became fully guaranteed or like they had some kind of buyout situation. They have Mike Scott, Dwayne Dedman, Paul Millsap, Kyle O'Quinn is still getting money from the Philadelphia 76ers. Louis King, Mac McClung and Miles Powell are all still on the on the bankroll for the six years. Kyle O'Quinn, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he was, what, like 2K14 on the Knicks? I'm trying to think. Yeah, last time he was on the Sixers was like 2019, I, th- I think. Got to be something like that. 2019-20. Um, just like, we'll give you a quarter of a million dollars every year until you die. Just leave us alone. <laughs> yeah, so. 
But yeah, not a ton of additions this year. Like like we said, there's a, a couple of those um, like veteran guys like Pat Bev, Danny Green, but a, a nice like upside sort of signing in Mo Bamba. But I'm I feel pretty decent about the over for this Sixers team, just because it's when's the last time the Sixers didn't win 48 games and you know and an 82 win season or 82 game season. When their best player uh, gets really mad about something that Nick Nurse makes him do, and he demands a trade. You know, those are situations. That is why this is my stay away. Okay. Be- because um, I have one to use, and my like my pride, I can't use them on Boston. They're definitely hitting me over. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and no, so I have my stay away on the Sixers. And this is not something I think will happen, but if it does – I won't be like, well, that's out of left field. If Nick Nurse, which is like the most min-max coach ever, like I'm going to get the most out of every ounce that you have as a basketball player, that just seems like that wouldn't fly with Joel Embiid or James Harden, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, Kawhi is another guy, which shocks me that Nick Nurse did it with Kawhi as another guy that would be like, no, that's not, I'm, nope, that's not how this works. So it'll be – I think it'll be fine. I'm probably just wanting it to not go well um, for just the sake of it'd be funny for me. But <laughs> uh, I'm doing this as my stay away, thinking that they could probably hit that over if, like, things don't implode because that's the only word to use to describe that as is imploding. Yeah, makes sense. Definitely would have been my second choice for the stay away. Um, you don't went over, stay away, then under. Like your under is the one that you're like. They, oh yeah, they won't, that they second choice away. in that way as well. But like second choice, I meant as teams to use oh. my stay away on. Yeah, because um, that's who I automatically just kind of jotted down in my head as like, oh, that's going to be the stay away here. But then once I was actually looking at the lines, I was like, I don't know. I kind of feel better about 76ers winning over 48 and a half games versus like Boston Celtics winning 54 and a half. They've built in like some insurance to like things don't go ideal. And just like every year they are at like 50 wins, 51 wins, you know, something like that. Yeah. So, um, and yeah, in the seasons where they didn't play 82 games, they were on pace for over that. So that I just am realizing now though, that I haven't used my, my lock yet. Oh, can I, yeah, I'm going to pivot. I'm going to throw my lock on the Knicks. I was thinking the same thing, honestly. Because that's the one I feel the best about the over. I agree. Which is what a lock would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those keeping track at home, here's where we're at. Uh, with just the Raptors remaining, we've got, for me, I'm taking Boston's over, Logan staying away. Mm-hmm. For the Nets. Uh, Nets, we both went under. Mm-hmm. For the Knicks, we're both taking lock over, which yep. means it's worth three points as opposed to one. If we get it wrong, is it minus three? Yep. If we lo- get it wrong, it's minus three. So it's pretty much like I'm doubling down. More confident, yeah. More mm-hmm. confident in this. And then Sixers, I said stay away. Logan said over. And the Raptors is where we are at now, unless there's any further points you wanted to make in the conversation pertaining to the Philadelphia 76ers with three minutes and 40 seconds remaining. Um, honestly, I think we're probably good on the Sixers. Um, other than I, I don't see them as like in the championship contender tier for this season because of all of the red flags we've talked about. But just basically another Sixer season is what I foresee happening. 
But one thing that I will say is I feel like the thing that has slowed down the Sixers every single year since the process truly started going was the coaching, and they finally put a Band-Aid on it. That's true. That is um, true. So that is the only, like, there's a chance that I'm glad it's my stay away, and they, like, go crazy, and everyone's happy, and Nick Nurse is able to reel in the big personalities, and it works out swimmingly, and they, like, tickle 60 games if things go crazy good for him that could um, happen because yeah. nick nurse gets like just because we like no disrespect to any of the coaches i'm about to name not what the sixers needed or what most teams need uh brown brett brown yep brett brown not ideal and doc rivers not ideal excited less, to hear him i would say <laughs> even less than on um broadcasts though i agree very good that'll at be, his color commentator uh that'll be because that's what he did before he was head coach if people didn't know that he did this previously and he was pretty good yeah, I think he did it in between. Head, I think he was with the Magic. I want to say as a head coach before between, he did. Color yeah, so it was Magic time. did it for like a year or two, and then was in Boston. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so that's where we're at, and just like that, we are to our final team in the Atlantic, the team that is in the most rebuild mode. Just lost a head coach. That's pretty good. What do you yep. have to say about the Raptors? But they have alive? they have added a head coach that a lot of people are excited about. Could be don't want to don't want put put all my eggs in this basket though because um, it could be similar to the hype that was around Nate Bjorkgren yep. with uh, the Indiana Pacers. But uh, this guy seems a little bit more established. You know, not just like the one thing he's done has been net Nick Nurse's kind of like assistant, and Nick Nurse is like, hey, that that guy's really good. Um, like this guy has been around at multiple organizations and he has a lot of stamps approval. Yeah. Has been called really good from a lot of different places. Not just like Nick nurse likes him a lot. Nick nurse is top three coach in the NBA. Yeah. And that is Darko Ryakovic. Um, and so he's a Serbian uh, head coach. Well, this is his first head coaching job in the NBA, but yeah, he's been around a lot of different places and just in the sport of basketball. And he's looked at as a pretty unique offensive minded coach, uh, which is something that the Raptors haven't had in a long time, which, you know, Nick Nurse, uh, for those who don't know, his strength is really more on the defensive end. He, I mean, it's not, it's not that he's a inept offensive coach Liability by any means. offensively, yeah. Yeah, he's just not necessarily the most inventive offensively. As he is, like defensively, he is one of the most unique, like tries the weirdest things, like the box and one on the NBA level in the finals, um, things like that. But, Oh, they won that finals. If anybody was wondering. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, in the off from the offensive side of the ball, he is more of like, uh, get up and run, you know, like their, their Raptors teams have been in like full court scenario a lot, of, but some of that could be, uh, you know, blamed on the fact that they haven't had a lot of like offensive creators in the half court since they had Kawhi Leonard. And when they did have Kawhi Leonard, it was Kawhi mid-range post up every play like that. <laughs> that was their offense. So um, not a lot of like unique or uh, variability there. Dynamicism, all those words. So they might be seeing some more of that with their head coach and Darko Rakovic. The All that being said, though, I do kind of feel – I feel like they have a really good line this year, which is 36.5, which I haven't mentioned their previous season, which was they won 41 games, so they went exactly 500. And my rec- my prediction for them, I was pretty high on the Raptors last year compared to most. 
Um, I'm not, I can't remember why exactly other than I thought Scotty Barnes was going to take like a, a leap up, which he did I not think, at all. He, he struggled pretty badly as a sophomore slump. Um, what were you going to say? I think a big part of it was like the, just the, the concept of like, Oh, the re- you're giving Nick nurse just like a bunch of like athletic defensive freaks that can just kind of go do whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that was a very exciting thing to look at. And it just never really materialized into a, Big jump and Scotty Barnes was like the main offensive. Like, if he goes, he'll elevate the rest of the offensive things around him because obviously they have Spicy P, they have more OG, Fred they have Van more Vliet. Fred Van Vliet. They have they had more pieces, but like he was like the if he takes a step up, it'll like elevate their just offensive abilities on top of this highest defensive potential maybe ever. Yeah, just because of what they could do defensively outside of Fred Van Vliet where they kind of had to, but just one and guy. Don't sleep on Fred Van Vliet on the defensive end either, but obviously he's only six In terms of the tall, switch so. ability, that, yeah. that's more mm-hmm. what I was talking about. It's like, there was like, are the Raptors going to be able to just be like, who's ever closest to you when the ball switches possession, that's mm-hmm. your man. Yeah. Like they could just do crazy stuff like that. And it just didn't work out. Yeah. Now, now they're kind of shifting away from that, building more, a little bit more traditionally. You know, but like you were saying in the past, it's been like all wings and Fred Van Vliet that's been their offense or, or been their lineups. Now they have a point guard, another point guard in Dennis Schroeder, um, and they have Jakob Pertl down there at the center, which is very traditional, you know, drop coverage, rim protector, kind of like a Brooke Lopez, uh, that type of thing. But like, it's not like he can't switch at all onto the perimeter because he has good defensive instincts and everything like that, but he is like a seven foot two lumbering big guy um so he's definitely going to be try probably wanting to keep him in, in pick and roll coverages keeping him in the drop keeping him drop back towards the rim not really coming up and switching onto guys on the perimeter trying to keep up with them with his foot speed but more just trying to protect the basket so they're building a little bit more traditionally now pairing him in the pick and roll with fred van vliet was awesome with dennis schroeder doesn't sound like much of a like go-to offense as much unless Dennis Schroeder plays like he does on team Germany um, in this upcoming Raptor season. So also once we're done, I've got a rant to do. Okay. About team USA. I'm guessing. No, it is about the reaction anyway. Okay. Sounds good. (laughs) Um, But so yeah, my prediction, I didn't say what my prediction was for them last year. It was, I had them at 46 wins was my reasonable prediction. They won 41, so it wasn't too far off, but it just 46 seems like a lot. Um, it also back. felt like a really bad 41. I did not think they got to 41 wins. Oh, really? They yeah. I, they had a pretty good season. The people were kind of picking them against uh, – like they're picking them to come out of the play-in and, and be mm-hmm. like – I do remember make some that noise. now that you're saying it. But they had – my ceiling for them was 54 wins uh, floor was 34. So I did have a pretty big range on them, but yeah, this upcoming season, their, their over underline is 36 and a half. I will ultimately probably lean to the under on this one. I don't know if that, that's just me wanting to be like mathematically even and give like two overs and two unders and a one stay away to like, you know, each of these teams, but that's just kind of where I'm leaning right now is a slight under. I could definitely see it going either way. This was my other, this was probably my top three team, you know, the third team for using a stay away on um, was the Raptors. So yeah, Jacob, what about you? What was the line? 36 and a half. 
36 and a half. I'm also going to go under. Mm-hmm. 46, okay, but okay, because my thought process is there's been trade rumors flying around about OG and... Um, I agree, yep, that's a big part of it. Spicy P, so mm-hmm. like if one of those pieces leave, depending on... And if those pieces leave, they're not getting a guy that'll improve their standing. They're getting assets back. Yeah. They're, not, they're not going for a win now type of move because their window is still pretty young. Um, yeah, like, agreed. Hypothetically, if their next core they're trying to build around is centered around Scotty Barnes. Scotty like, Barnes, for sure. And they just drafted Grady Dick in the draft. Um, they also just added Jalen McDaniels in the offseason, who's another pretty young piece. Like, so. This is the next core they want to build around. Getting assets that can help as opposed to making them better now doesn't make any sense. So I think the under just as like I can't use my stay. I don't have anything else. I'll go under – more because I feel not confident, but the the trade of a big important piece isn't like a crazy idea. Mm-hmm. So that is where I'm at with the Raptors. But um, man, I'm terrible at this watchability score thing. I suck. Oh, um, forgetting it. Yeah, Sixers yeah. watchability score I put as a seven four. That's wow. That's very generous. Um, I thought you would be a lot lower on the Sixers. Just even even when things are working well, like you know Harden and Embiid just shooting fifteen free throws a game, you know. <laughs> uh, it's more because um, don't tell Anthony. I have like a little a little tiny bit of a man crush on Tyrese Maxey. Mm. Um poco, yeah, uh, big fan. He's very fun to watch. Just kind of like a like a, a a crappy ant, but that is the highest compliment. Yeah, in, like the, a small in the most complimentary ant. way. Mm-hmm. just um just like he yeah just anyway uh that's a huge reason that i was honestly that high uh raptors though i don't really want to watch the raptors at all and they are a 3-1 makes sense i, um, I just I'd be I'd, I'd be higher on the raptors than you just because i would do want to i like whenever they a team gets a new head coach that i've never seen as a head coach i do like to watch those like will hardy was that guy for me last year um yeah so but I'll, would I'll you probably, want to watch all 82? Yeah. I, as the season goes along, unless there – it is like a Will Hardy. Where Will Hardy sustained – um, Yeah, where I'm like, wow, this guy is very inventive and, and this team just in general is fun uh, with the Jazz. Um, if they, they could be like a Jazz for me last year, but if not, then yeah, I'll, I'll probably stop watching them as much uh, as the season goes along. So I think that's pretty fair, honestly, for Jacob's – uh, watchability rankings or ratings uh, brought to you by V8 Plus Energy, pomegranate blueberry. No, and if you want us to advertise anything, we you could be the watchability score for the upcoming, is it? It would be the Central Division. Central. So mm-hmm. if you if you want to sponsor the watchability score, then call Logan on his cellular phone. I'm just kidding. I was kidding. <laughs> like pump fake giving out your phone number. Yeah. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Dox you, but you you edit, so it doesn't matter. You would have cut it out. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but anyways, I think that will be good. What we'll, was we'll, in the next episode? We're coming back at you with the Central Division, which will be the Milwaukee Bucks, the Chicago Bulls, um, Indiana Pacers, Indiana Pacers, Detroit Pistons, Cleveland. and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cleveland. That was in no order, other than just when they came to my mind. Um, Mine as well. So. Yeah, that will be fun. Honestly, Central Division has got some 
got some interesting pieces to it as well. Um, so that'll be a fun one to do. And yeah, so stay tuned for that episode that will be recorded next week. Uh, for context, we are recording this on Sunday afternoon, September 10th. Not sure when this episode will drop. The uh, top 10 episode is still set to drop tomorrow morning. So that one hasn't quite come out yet. Spacing this out because we just draft, we are, we just uh, recorded two episodes in one day last week. But yeah, so moving on to what we have after this, we, I know we wanted to end the episode playing the Daily Dozen as we did a couple episodes ago, but Jacob had mentioned that he had a rant to go on. So I will turn it over to him. For everybody on Twitter that's confused while the United States lost, it's not 1992. Yeah, the world we, has caught up. Also, the best bat- we don't we we don't have the same type of team we did in '92. We don't. We're not sending the Michael best Jordan. Players don't always play yeah. from the United States. Our best player on the United States team is not like our best players are not in the top ten of best players in the world right now. Yeah, but like you look at the top five players in the NBA. And we talked about this in the episode that's going to drop tomorrow or in the past. I don't know. It's like 50-50 United States to international. So when Boston legend Daniel Tice and Boston legend Dennis Schroeder both have like the game of their lives and the U.S. loses in a close one, don't be like, can you believe the United States lost a game of basketball? And the thing is, what helps with making teams that people often overlook is people who know how to play their roles. That's a very big detail. Like, like, do you want to know why Brandon Ingram had a very crappy run for Team USA this year? Is because he's never had to play as a role, a role like that's not like the one the of the guy. main guys on the team, like one of the top two guys getting touches. Um, the people that you did see thrive this year, Ant is the only one who did not change his role from what he does in the NBA to what he did on this team, which is I'm the guy. So he didn't have a role change. Everybody else though that did have a role change that succeeded in that. Were guys like Tyrese Halliburton that have played a role before? Yeah, guys, exactly. Reeves, who is Austin Reeves, has been every role you could think of so far in his young career, almost to a comical level. Yeah, like everything. Um, Josh Hart, which is just like he, oh, he's he might be the only one that's not changing his role. He's him it's and like Pop, him player. and Portis are like playing the same thing that they they do in the NBA. But like, like Paolo changed his like archetype on two K a, a ton. So that's. For, the tournament. That's one guy that I, I will say we have not seen role change, but he did in this context. We did see him change his role for this tournament for FIBA. But anyway, Germany has like, oh, we've got three guys or four guys that are in the NBA. Those are our go-tos. The rest of us, what do you need us to do? Serbia, same exact thing. Oh, and yeah. So, yeah, if the... It's just irritating to me that they just saw, oh, U.S. lost in basketball? Well, it's not like in the good old days of 1992 when the United States sent the 10 best players in the, in, in the world, world. <laughs> to go play against literally, teams that were like, what's a basketball? Literally 11, to go? 11 Hall of Famers. And like not and most of those are like legit, like Pantheon, like Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Charles Barkley. Like just all four of those players have won MVP. Dave Robinson, there's a fifth MVP right there. Patrick Ewing has been close to winning an MVP. 
Um, if, if the center position wasn't the most loaded thing of all time, yeah, all of those guys are like top five in their position in the history of the sport. Yeah. So I don't. It just irritated me. Just like Carl the, Malone won MVP. I forgot about him. <laughs> the United States lost to dot 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 Germany. Was it the the best game? No, it was a sloppy, terrible game, proving that Steve Kerr maybe not that good of a head coach. I also think I've complained about Steve Kerr before. I feel like we're going to look back and be like, no, he really, he just really had Steph Curry, and that was a big part of it. Not taking away from his basketball knowledge or anything, but I feel like he has a unique style knowledge. of coaching. But he definitely, I, I would agree with you. He definitely has some aspects of his coaching that I would feel, I would, in my opinion, say holds him back um, from being better. Yeah, I agree. It just irritated me. Just and it was people that don't know ball, and I don't really know ball. I know ball more than most, or than some. But I was like, you just don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Got me fired up. Anyway, right, we can yeah. go to something happier now, unless you would like to add more. Uh, I would like to add, just because I feel like we didn't mention everybody when we were talking about shapeshifters in the role. Macal Bridges, another great example of somebody that's had to shapeshift roles. Um, he had a great tournament for in, in the FIBA play as well. Um, yeah, the guy, like Jalen Brunson was okay. He was a little bit wishy-washy, but he was another guy that has had to change roles. Um, it's just, yeah, those are the guys that tend to succeed. The guys that don't are like Brandon Ingram and some, some guys that are expected to like, when they come in, they're like, I'm going to be getting a lot of touches. I'm going to be the one, you know, doing this and that. And they just don't really know how to be a complimentary piece to other players who are playing that role instead of them. Um, that's just kind of what happens sometimes. And other countries that have a lot of synergy, a lot of chemistry, a lot of like years under their belt playing together with these same guys. Because they're the best. There's only like 15 guys in their country that can play at this level. So they've started in like U14 and it's the same bundle of people. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a lot <clears throat> more like ingrained, like culture wise, like their, their basketball school type, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like the, the way their style of basketball, their philosophies are much more like nailed down. Yeah, and consistent. So they, they there's better teams. Like they are better at being a team than an assortment of random players from all over the USA. You know, but the US probably had five of the ten best players that played in the tournament. They were just not a good team as a unit. Agreed. End of. It just got me fired they, up. They didn't have the number one guy or the number two guy in the tournament, but they had three through like. Five, three through six, probably. Also, Dylan Brooks, shout out to you, guy. Do you see this? The third place game? Uh, yeah, I did. Mm. 39. Yeah. I almost want to just call it a 40 burger just because it was pretty much there. Yeah. Um, I, I was, I've been higher on him getting the bag that he did than most because a lot of people were making jokes about how he's going to be in China, stuff like that. Never thought that was going to be the case. Um, that, that always was insane to me. I always thought he was like, he is a valuable NBA player. Is he, is he crazy and annoying? Yes, that is also true. So like, but he's, he's a very good defender, especially when he's not getting called for fouls that he commits. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he can put the ball in the basket at times when he gets very hot. I was like, um yeah hot because yeah. uh it was who oh it was a celebratory episode of the mismatch with uh kevin o'connor uh, kevin o'connor and, and chris vernon and vernon and he was like going down like a list of the least efficient players that take the most shots 
And the top two were Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. Yeah. Those two players. So the Rockets went and got themselves both of those guys. But uh, anyway, yeah, that just got me fired up. And the difference between those are the Rock or the Raptors didn't have any creators offensively for the most part. And so they like they're like Fred Van Vliet, please take a lot of shots. The Grizzlies are the opposite. They're like, Dylan Brooks, please stop taking all of these shots. And he's like, No, I am Kobe. I do what I want. Um that's that's been another struggle with Dylan Brooks. The reason why he's not wanted by a lot of teams is because he takes way too many shots. He takes dumb shots in situations that he just doesn't have the wherewithal to to understand why he shouldn't do that. He's the most confident basketball player I've ever watched. Yeah, look, he's like after the season, he's like, yeah, LeBron got the best of me, but I still don't take back what I said. I don't respect him until he puts 40 on my head. He's like Marcus Smart, but you turn all of the negative, like the wild parts that make Marcus Smart, Marcus Smart, turn that up to 10. (laughs) That is what Dylan Brooks is. Um, But yeah, so moving on, we are going to end this episode playing a very fun game called The Daily Dozen. I kind of want to give a little bit more juice to the audio listeners to kind of help the listening experience of this part. So we're going to start off with a daily trivia question from the nfl so we'll do that one now and that is jacob you want to go ahead and read this one Dwayne rude was infamously penalized for throwing his helmet as the time expired in a 2002 week one game allowing the chiefs an extra play where they kick a game winner to beat what afc team no clue not an nfl guy not a football guy in any way so guess uh Beat what AFC team? This is an, another thing that's always annoyed me about other sports that aren't the NBA. Why do they divide the conferences the way they do? I, I never know. Like other people just throw around. They know what teams are in each conference. I have no clue because geographically there's no help. There's no guide. You know, this, NBA, it's easy. You can just think about where they are and that's where they are. But Okay. Um, if this uh, city has an NBA team that is in the East. Okay. Eastern Conference, but it's in the AFC in football. Uh, Cleveland. Is that correct? That is correct. I believe that it was Cleveland. Uh, Dwayne Rude played for the Cleveland Browns. I think he was more known as a Viking, but I believe the Browns is the team – that he screwed over and they lost like 40 to 39 or something like that. That was weird because my – is is Cincinnati in the AFC – Yes. Okay. That was the first team that came to mind for some reason. And I was like, they don't have an NBA team. So then I just went to another Ohio city that has an NBA team. There you go. This is going to be the hardest for um, sports logos. Okay. It's like sports logos. So it's the logo for Super Bowl 37. And it's asking which Pacific time zone city where the Super Bowl was played based on the Super Bowl's image. Oh, okay. That seven would have been in two thousand and. That looks like Seattle to me, right? But they wouldn't have played in Seattle yet. I'm gonna guess it's so the NFL. Like you have to be warm enough in February. They don't let you have you have to have an indoor stadium or you have to be in a nice place. So the Bay Francisco is what I thought. Yeah, I'm thinking the Bay Candlestick Park is where it would be at. Okay. The Bay sounds right to me. Could be maybe south of that, maybe down in San Diego. Uh, San Diego would have had a team at this point because it's 37. So that'd be 2002 Super Bowl. Mm. Two 2002 questions. 
Yeah. Or oh, so the, South San Francisco is another option here. It, so it could be like Oakland even. Is that an option too? Uh, Yes, but I don't. The Oakland, I feel better about San Francisco because Oakland's field at this time was shared with baseball. Okay. Uh, like fair. So it had like baseball on it and it kind of sucked. Gotcha. It wasn't San Francisco. But we have a chance for a double dip later on. They let us put another guest for a question. Mm-hmm. Sports stadiums. As of the 2023 uh, season, what NFC team in the NFL plays at U.S. Bank Stadium? NFL is getting a lot of love on this opening Sunday. This is the Minnesota Vikings. Recently, actually, there was a big tax discussion with the city of Minneapolis, and the Vikings paid off the stadium, saving the taxpayers of Minnesota like $23 million in um, uh, interest. Wow. That so sounds that like cool. a big number. Um. Brands and products is the next. So, so it gets out of sports now. It's kind of random stuff. Yeah. So this multinational tire manufacturer, which also makes golf products, was the sponsor of the Super Bowl halftime show from 2008 to 2012. So Super Bowl halftime show sponsored before Pepsi. So they did, they make tires and they make golf products. I yeah. I something that comes to mind. I don't know if it's right. It might be dumb, but Goodyear is that who it is? Um, I can tell you who did them, but I don't know if I know, like, you don't know the brand Goodyear feels fine. Yeah. I have no idea. Let's think of just tire brands. Yeah. Michelin, Bridgestone, 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 because they have those commercials. Yeah. Because they had the, remember they used to do the commercials where it was like the Bridgestone and it was like a basketball that was made out of the Bridgestone tire and the golf stuff made out of the Bridgestone tire. Okay. I kind of, yeah, that does sound right. Awesome. So this is Celebrity Mashup. Um, um, Benedict Cumberbatch, maybe? I don't no, actually know. The middle guy is Billy Ray Thornton. I don't even know who that What's is. What's his name? Um, Billy Bob be, Thornton. This Sorry. might be the first one that I don't know either of the okay i think it's um bill so it's celebrity mashup for those that are listening is like yeah. they just take two celebrities and mash them together i'm almost positive the center is billy bob thorne i think so his outside face. is the stepdad in um hot rod that is w- way oh. more famous than that um yeah it's like a mobster guy not al pacino it's yeah um, yeah uh I know who you're talking about. I just knew I saw his name somewhere recently. Um, I don't remember his name, but I don't know. It, that might be him. I guess I, I was thinking, like I, I honestly was thinking it was like Al Pacino or, um, okay, Robert De Niro or something like that. I'm but, good, I'm good with Al Pacino on the outside. It's like a longer hair. Yeah. Oh. Mm. It was Al Pacino. There it we go. It was Al Pacino and Billy Bob Thornton. Okay. In 2002, this beer brand launched a famous commercial called Here's to Football with such lyrics as I love football and TV as well as and twins. I love football on TV. Yeah. Yeah. And twins. What? It was like a song thing. Okay, I have no idea what this is. Do you know what it is? A lot of I, I'm sure it's because it's the it's Coors. I'm sure it's the because of the um, 
uh, right, opening NFL. Sunday. Yeah, so that's why it's just all football. Right after the Saints won Super Bowl 44, CBS debuted this reality show where a person with an upper management position disguised as an entry-level employee and discovers um, company faults. I have no idea. doesn't look like really? there's an NBA question on this one. Well, I think it might be they might have gone um, because they're all football. Wait, what was it? Did you just type Undercover it? Boss. Sorry, I forgot to say it. Oh, okay. Undercover Boss was the answer to. Oh, I remember that show. Um, but apparently it debuted right after the Saints won Super Bowl 44. Okay. A 2015 NFL-related movie concussion starred this actor who took home Best at- Actor at the Oscars in 2022 for a different sports movie in this lead role. And he would like you to keep his wife's name out your <laughs> effing mouth. Yeah. That would be yeah, that's not William part of the Smith. question. But that was the extra little pizzazz I added. Yeah. Yeah, so this Music. was just Okay, I might be able to help with this one. Okay. Performing, Performing songs. songs such as American Girl and Free oh. Fallen. Yep. What band headlined the Super Bowl halftime show in 2008? Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. R.I.P. So now we get another chance for the where was Super Bowl 37 played. Not San Francisco. Do we want to try Oakland? I feel like they would not have played it at the Coliseum. Could be Oakland. Could be San Diego. Um, The San Diego also like lighthouses. Seattle, Seattle isn't like cold in the winter. Seattle's like a very moderate, like year round, because it's so like, you know, that's like how, what like the rainy North, all the time. Like it's basically it's it's warmer in the summer than it is in the winter, obviously, but more than like almost any other place in the world, it is like the same temperature year round. You know what I mean? Like it does not snow very often in Seattle. But does yeah okay. But I so I I'm just putting that out there. I don't know if that at, that helps at all to the conversation. But uh, San Diego definitely could be. It's just the lighthouse thing is so like Seattle. You know what I mean? That that's why I'm thinking of that. But San Diego could definitely be another one because they are very famous, like for being a port city. Um, that is why they had the nickname of the Clippers back when that team was in San Diego. They're the San Diego Clippers because of the ships in the bay called the Clippers. Um, Let's go San Diego. Okay. Damn. And it is San Diego. Once again, we perfected neither the double dip. Not a lot of people knew the Cleveland Browns question. And I just got I got that in a shot in the dark. Yeah. Um, Um, Celebrity mashup was pretty low this week too. I feel like the Billy Bob Thornton might have tricked people in the middle. Yeah. Beverages on the outside was a little rough. What was the beverages one? I don't even remember. Coors. Oh yeah. It was a here's to football. Mm-hmm. Those ones were the so, lowest three. So the, this was all uh, football themed. Usually, uh, for those who have not heard us do this yet, it's a lot more um, divided. You could yeah. say like there's a, always an NBA question. It's almost all or a basketball one at the bare minimum, even yeah. if it's college basketball. We get like a more even distribution. But I think because it is the first Sunday of the NFL football season, they gave us a little bit of a themed game secretly mm-hmm. for game number forty nine. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, we did good once again. For sure. Um, that, I think, will do it for this week's episode of the Hoop Theory Podcast, Fred Hoiberg episode. 
Shout out to Kesey Tominaga. Yeah. And Nebraska basketball, honestly. We should have probably talked about that because it's the Fred Hoiberg episode. doesn't matter, though, because we're out of time. But, yeah, sorry, Logan. I cut you off. No, that's all right. Um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, like we said earlier, Jacob so eloquently put earlier, uh, check out the Patreon page at patreon.com slash hoop theory. Same with buying me a coffee. All those links to all these things should be in the show description as well as the episode description wherever you're listening to this. I've also um, recorded the first vlog for those that are the oh, did you? Uh, Patreon subscribers for my Path to a Marathon. Okay. Uh, for those that don't know, I'm like a 315-pound person, and I'm going to run a marathon. Uh, and I've started by training. This was more of a diet food-focused episode of this vlog. It's like two minutes long. Okay. Yeah. Um, you should either send that to me or I can give you the login to the Patreon to upload it. But um, Oh, yeah. That would probably be a good idea so people would like have it ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah, um, but that's something to look forward to. And um, screw Deion Sanders. <laughs> <laughs>